please rise as you're able for our call to worship. We are all called into ministry with our Lord. Our baptism calls us to be the body of Christ. We are all called to proclaim the good news. Our Lord Jesus Christ, one by all to come share in the goodness. We serve one another just as Christ served us. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Help us do the same to one another each day. If you can remain standing, we'll sing our first hymn on page 98, To God Be the Glory. Holy Spirit of God, 
who gathers the church into one body, gather us once again in your presence and strengthen the bonds of affection that hold your people together. Bless us with grace to cooperate with one another in love and service, that we may be the sign of your uniting love to our fractured world. Teach us to show compassion for those in need, to face challenges with imagination, and to counter disappointments with prayerful trust. So may your church bring forth your will and your kingdom. Amen.
But we still have these amazing things in our Bible that help us show what Jesus wanted us to be like. And so we can compare how we are to what Jesus taught us. And that's kind of our own little measurement there. So I'm going to give you that back because I can't figure that out a second time. And now we have this cat. Let's see. What do I do with this cat? So why do you, do you guys know anyone who has a cat? Do you know anyone who has cats? I know these two do. <laughs> and I do too, so I can't really say anything. Uh, a lot of you guys have cats, huh? What do you like about your cats? I have cats. You do? What do you like about your cats? Does it make you feel really safe and comfortable? Yeah? Me, mine too. Yours too? Good. Mine is Millie. Oh yeah? Yeah, my cat is Lily. My cat is playful. He's playful. Wonderful. So our cats can offer us comfort and safety and even fun and excitement. You know who else can do those things? I'll give you a hint. We gave you that answer earlier. Who else can give us comfort and safety? Jesus, good job. We can pray to Jesus when we feel scared and will help comfort us. So when you guys cuddle with your cats and have fun with your cats, remind us of the comfort and joy we can take in Jesus as well. Oh, gotta keep that money, huh? Here's your cat. Let us pray, okay? Dear God, thank you for cats and measuring devices and dinosaurs and all the surprising and wonderful things they teach us about you. We thank you for the many gifts and blessings you give us, including the blessing of these children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. springs gush forth in the valleys, they flow between the hills. 
service when we share our joys and concerns with each other. And uh, let's begin with whatever joys we have today. I'll even start. <laughs> Babs and I took a trip out to the Buffalo area yesterday and visited with our daughter Leslie and the four kids and her husband, whom we hadn't seen in months, because he always was working when they came out to visit. So... It was a joy to visit with family and uh, a joy to be safe on the road and the deer stayed where they were supposed to stay. All that. Yes? I enjoyed um, going to the Buffalo Wild Wings Museum and seeing 
Other joys today. I got another quick one. Just another thank you to everybody who worked the dinner last night. Um, every single time the dinner I say it, but it is very, very true. We can't do it without each other. And um, just, I'm very thankful for all of you. And UMW certainly appreciates your efforts and your time. And it doesn't really matter if the crowd <coughs> is smaller than usual. Other joys? How about concerns today? Um, first of all, I want to say thank you guys for continuing to pray for my friend Andrea. Um, she's not necessarily doing any better, but she's not doing any worse, so that's always a good thing. Um, and then our, um, my other friend, Cindy, her sister, had a heart transplant when she was in eighth grade, and um, now she's in need of Yes. Uh, prayers for my grandson Kevin and Amy that they get to Chicago and back this week. Okay. No Travel mercies. Yes, Dory. Prayers for my husband who's going to have a stress test this week and he's really nervous about it, so that he can just pass really, so we have to go to the next step. Okay. Other concerns today? Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, it is a joy for us to be able to come and gather in your house and fellowship and worship together. Your presence, we know, is always surrounding us. Your Holy Spirit is with us. And we are all so blessed to be alive and healthy and to be here with you and with each other. There are so many joys that we have, Father. We've only spoken a few of them aloud. We are grateful for family and for safe travel to see our family members. We are grateful for Kyle Rieger, who is having improvement, gradual improvement after his stroke. And we are so thankful that our prayers have been answered and you, the great healer, have been watching over him and guiding his every step. We just ask that you continue to support him and his loving family. We thank you for the fellowship that we were able to experience during our church dinner last evening. 
the money is only a very small part of, of what we receive out of that. And we know that the money always goes to good use as well afterwards because it's all for you, Father. But we do enjoy the fellowship that we have together as we come together to perform these, these small things for our community. We have so many concerns, Father. Again, only a few of our concerns have been spoken aloud, and you know all the other ones that are in our minds and our hearts, because you have known about them even before we've thought of them. We're grateful that Andrea at least is remaining stable, and we continue to pray for her, and we ask you to continue to show your love and surround her with your love and grace and provide healing where it's needed. We ask you to be with Cindy and anyone that needs a transplant. We know that transplants are a blessing. You have given skill to physicians to provide such a healing power here on earth. We know that loss has to occur for a transplant to occur. We ask for healing. We ask for your love and support and all of the grace that you have to offer that the healing may be there for her to support her and all those who love her, and we will keep her in our prayers. We ask for safe travel for Kevin and Amy to Chicago and back. Just watch over them. The roads can be so dangerous at times. And uh, let them be safe and watch out for all the other drivers. And we ask for you to watch over Dodie and her husband as he undergoes a stress test and figures out what the next steps will be in his health care journey. We ask for healing to be there as well and give them the guidance and support and love that they need. Father, be with the leaders of our nation and of all the nations in the world. As there is so much turmoil and strife. We ask you to not only be with those affected by war and poverty and famine, but with all the weather-related issues that happen in the world, flooding and mudslides in California, a typhoon that's affecting the Philippines right now. Just all over the world, there are any number of things happening that Sometimes it's so difficult to understand why they happen and why so many lives are affected. But we know that you, your love is there and your support is there for those who are undergoing all these issues. We just ask that you continue to watch over everyone and keep them safe and show them your love. All these things, Father, we ask in Jesus' name, and we pray that you listen to and hear all the unsaid concerns and joys that we have as well.
We ask all these things in Jesus' name, who taught us to say as he prayed, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but to deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please rise if you are able as we sing our hymn of preparation, Are You Able, number 530 in the hymnal.
Our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slain of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word of God for the people of God. What would you do if you had almost unlimited power? Would you use it to better your life? Would you buy a mansion and ten luxury cars? Would you travel the world in search of luxurious experiences and stay in all the best hotels? Would you use your power to boss other people around? Would you have servants waiting on you hand and feet? Would you be a benevolent dictator, but a dictator nonetheless? Or would you use your power to instill power in someone else? Would you give up some of your own power to empower the powerless? Dan Price, CEO of Gravity Payments, a payment processing firm, was raised as a child to wake up at 5 a.m. to recite a proverb, a psalm, a gospel chapter, and an excerpt from the Old and New Testaments. Though he no longer considers himself religious, he says the values he was raised with have stayed with him, that they've become a part of his DNA. When he read a study from Princeton suggesting that seventy dollars to $75,000 per year was the amount needed to get rid of a person's financial concerns and enable a happy life that lets them focus only on what's important to them. He made a decision most CEOs will never make. He cut his salary from $1 million to $70,000 so that he could raise the minimum salary of every employee in his company also to $70,000. Some of his employees even doubled their salaries with this move. And despite what many people had assumed after this announcement, he claims that it has nothing to do with making a political statement or commenting on the need for an increased minimum wage. Rather, he says that he read that study and realized that so many people in his company 
contribute just as much to the company as he does as CEO, and saw that he had an opportunity to improve the quality of life for all of his employees. So they didn't have to worry any longer about finances, but could focus on things like family, while being more motivated to work hard for the company. He saw it as a win-win situation that will, over, <clears throat> over the long run, add a lot of value to his company. And that good-natured outlook uh, that values his employees is spreading. Mario Zahariev, who owns Pops Pizza and Pasta, switched to gravity after seeing Mr. Price's story on the news. When he found out his processing fees would drop from $1,700 to $900 a month, Mr. Zahariev decided he wasn't going to keep the difference for himself. He used the savings to raise the salaries of his eight employees instead. He continued to pass on the goodwill. Power is what the disciples were after. But what is power? What represented power to the disciples? What represents power to you? Does having money make a powerful person? In the story about Mr. Price, the purpose of increasing the annual salaries of his employees was to improve their well-being, to make their lives happier, is being happy and enjoying a sense of well-being a form of power? Ask someone who struggles to pay rent and put food on the table if he or she has any power. Does having a certain status or job make a person powerful? Do titles, levels of education, or positions of authority give people power? Do those accomplishments entitle some people to do things that others cannot? Do these things give them responsibility that others do not hold? In the church, we sometimes think that the pastor has more power than the lay people. We think that because he or she has a degree, or that title, or that salary, that the pastor is the one who is called to share the gospel with others, or lead people in prayer, or even invite people to church. But it's not just the pastor who is called to do these things. When a church group gathers for a meeting or a meal, it is typical that the pastor is asked or expected to lead the group in prayer. Even in Baldwinsville, when we come for our uh, senior luncheons that the pastors are invited to, the last one of us to arrive is usually the one expected to pray. I even read a story of a pastor asking, a story of a pastor asking someone to lead them in prayer, only to be answered, Why don't you pray? Isn't it your job to pray? You're the pastor, isn't that what you get paid for? And I loved her response. Yes, I'm the pastor, but it isn't my job to pray. It's my job to equip you to pray. I'll be the first to admit that Extemporaneous prayer is not my specialty. Even writing prayers is not really a strength of mine. I know how to pray privately, but group or public prayers have never come easy for me. I'm getting better at it for sure with more experience, but I never have the eloquence that I hear from so many other clergy and lay people. Do pastors have special power when they pray? Do they have more powers because 
They are ordained or licensed or degreed or appointed. Do they have more power than laity? Is it acceptable for the pastor to ask someone to pray? Is it reasonable for a congregation to assume that if someone is a pastor, he or she has gifts for leading prayer? What would happen if the people in the congregation who are most gifted for leading prayer stepped forward to offer the power for the benefit of the entire congregation? What would happen if that gifted person were to offer to pray in worship and in meetings and to lead a class on leading public prayer or even volunteer to help the pastor improve his or her abilities? When James and John asked Jesus to give them power, to give them a double share like Elijah did for Elisha in 2 Kings, and pass on that mantle and name them as his successors in leading the movement, what did Jesus say? He said, you don't know what you're asking. You aren't ready. If you are asking for power, then you are the last ones who should have it. You are not prepared at all to do what I'm about to do. Power is not mine to have, and it is not mine to bestow. Any power I have is meant to be given away in order to lift up those who have no power. Christ tells us that if you have power, you are meant to give it away to the powerless. The first shall become last. The great must lower themselves to lift up others to greatness. The leaders must not only lead, but they must serve. Leadership and power must be used not for the glorification of self, but to lift up others, for we are all servants of God. You are the church. I am the church. We are the church together. The church is not a building. The church is not a pastor. The church is a people enlivened by the Holy Spirit and justified by Christ to glorify God and spread his love to all we meet. The church is not a person. It is a people. It is one collection of a community who together form the body of Christ. And I hope you all, as lady of this church, will help me on that journey to become the body of Christ. I cannot leave the parish or the church on my own. I need all of your help. And I hope we take this next year to develop some more programs, both parish and church-wide, and I hope for some of many of them, some or many of them, to be led by you, the laity, the people, the body of Christ. Let me know what I can do to equip you to be servants and leaders in the church. If you'd like to get more involved, talk to me about it. We can put you on a ministry team or find out where your gifts will best serve God and God's community. This is not my church. This is your church. And I hope we can continue to see it that way. And I hope we can increase our lay involvement so we can continue growing. Just look at how many people we have this morning. And we can make it even better this time next year. That's my hope for the future of this church and this parish. Our mission outreach is one of our strongest lay-led enterprises, not only in our parish, but here at Nelson. 
and I hope that we can increase that lay involvement in other aspects of our faith and our life as a community together. Is there something you think the church should be doing that it isn't? Talk to me about it. This is your church. Is there a book that you think would make for a great study or discussion? Talk to me about it. This is your church. Perhaps you could even lead the book study. You all have perspectives and gifts that I don't have. I can't give your perspectives to others, and those perspectives may help someone immensely in a way that I never could. I can't share your experiences of God or your perspectives on, on your faith, and those things may be of great assets to others. You may read a book and want to share your perspective on it, on our relationship with Christ, and you should. This is your church. A few weeks ago, I preached on the four words that we often read uh, translated as hell in our Bibles. And I talked how I am beginning to think that perhaps the Bible does not even teach the existence of a place of eternal punishment. I heard for a few days later from a parishioner pointing me to a book called 23 Minutes in Hell, in which Christian Bill Wise speaks of a vision he had one night one night that he believes was a visit to hell. I can't disprove his experience and neither can I prove it. Though I think there are other possible explanations, it reminds us of the mysteries of God and that my perspective on things is not the only one, nor is it the only one that should be considered. This little exchange shows that I won't share the same views as each and every one of you, and that's okay. It is also a humble reminder that I can be wrong. In many ways, God is a mystery, and we are all working toward understanding that mystery a little better. As the laity of this church, you have the opportunity and the responsibility to share what you know of God and to learn what others know of God. Maybe the greatest power we can have is when no one lords it over the others when we offer ministry together, each giving out his or her unique set of gifts. By the power of the Holy Spirit, every person has been clothed with gifts from on high. Our power as congregations comes not from the strong leadership of one, but from the strong leadership of many. It is tempting when we have some power to want to use it for the benefit of ourselves. But the message that Christ gives us is that when we have power, the best thing we can do is use it to help others feel good. This, Jesus says, is the greatest power we can ever hope to have. For the great human one, the great immortal one, our God-made man, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life to liberate all people. This, Jesus says, is true power. Amen.
But those who are able, please rise as we sing our hymn of response. We are the church number 558.